Welcome to another episode of Wild and Exposed, your wildlife photography and outdoor adventure podcast. This week, your hosts are Michael Morrow, Ron Hayes, and myself, Mark Raycroft. And we're coming to you from the picturesque Kenai Peninsula in South Central Alaska. And we have picturesque. We're in our cabin. Picture, picturesque brick facade. Yeah, faux, <laughs> faux brick. We wanted to record the podcast at the river's edge, but the audio would be compromised with all the beautiful flowing water sounds. So we are indoors, so you can actually hear what we're saying. But we, we are can... in a cabin. Yeah. We are in Alaska. We're next to the Kenai River. We're 150 yards from the Kenai River. Yeah. And bears. There's bound to be a bear down there sometime today. Guaranteed. Yep. And smoke. <laughs> smoke from Forest the fires. fires. Super dry spring, it's early summer here. Very dry here in South Central. Well, it's Alaska. actually kind of a wet spring and then a super dry summer. Because mm-hmm. they had a couple of feet of snow here in like April. Late, late, late. And then I was talking to a guy, and if you look at the vegetation, it's super tall. But it's super dry, so everybody's like, well, how does this thing so growing so much? And they think it was all that snow they got late. Early, yeah. Everything grew, and then now it's dry, and there's tons of fires going on, and yeah, lots of smoke. Lots of smoke. Depends on the wind direction. We've smoked in, and then it changes, and it opens up, and you can see blue sky. Yep. It's been an issue. But it's, it's deceiving because the water levels are very high because it's also been very hot here in alaska and a lot of glacial melt glacial melt has yeah we were we were talking last night at the location that we were sitting at about working the, and standing and filming at sitting sorry that's what two of us were sitting one of us was standing. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just get that cleared <laughs> but uh that location the gravel bar along the the kenai river the gravel bar was basically consumed and the last time that I was here, which it it would make sense because it was a little bit later in the season, but the last time that I was here, the gravel bar extended almost about th- two-thirds of the way across the river. So there is a lot of water, and that the, the locals are saying is attributed to the glacial melt because of the heat, and it is unseasonably hot, even, you know, even for summer. Mm-hmm. It's crazy warm here in Alaska. Last night was the first night where I actually felt like a small jacket would have been nice. You know, I didn't put one on and it wasn't that bad, but I while felt we that, were sitting yeah, there. For sure. And I felt that way too, but I was I was like, okay, this is what it's supposed to feel right, like. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it's it's been of, so dry that, and hot that you just, it doesn't feel like Alaska. Right. No, I, I put a jacket on last night by the time we were finished. So, but that's been the first day out of how many days where you literally felt like, oh, geez, I need to, you know, other than being out on the boat exactly. in the out water, the but that's kind of, that's that was typical. The issue for me, it's been so warm, I didn't even take one. Mm-hmm. I didn't take a second layer, and then it, it did cool off, but it it was comfortable, and it was nice. One day on the boat, I didn't take gloves. It's that, it's that whole deal where it's, if it's warm, you don't think about it, mm-hmm. and then when you get out there, you're like, oh. This is Alaska. The wind coming off the, yeah. the ocean. Yep. Yep. Yeah, clouds come in, as they did last night, and it changed it. So we were working along this river, hoping to film black bears and salmon, and or eagles, and or mergansers, whatever came by. Yeah, unlike last year. Last year we had an assignment, so we were working to get a specific types of footage. This year... Actually, I think we could talk about it. We we teamed up with um, Sean. Yes, Sean James. From, from My Self Reliance YouTube channel. And he wanted to come experience Alaska and actually shoot some wildlife stuff. So we were helping him out, and he's going to help us out with some, some media stuff. So mm-hmm. that was kind of our assignment this trip. That's a big part of, of what we do, right? It's behind the scenes. We, we love doing this podcast, and we keep, it keeps evolving. For what we bring to you, but it's a matter of getting traction so that we can continue to grow and and expand our horizons that way. And collaborating with people is one of the best tools. And Sean is great mm-hmm. for that. His content, um, 
Yeah. Yeah, Sean's experience in presenting that content is something that's yes. been valuable to, to visit with him and gain some of that experience as well. Absolutely. It's quite a learning process in all different levels mm -hmm. of, of podcasting and, and presentation on media. So the river, we have a little, I mean, I think we should throw this in as a little hack for any hiking interior trips, your little chairs. Oh, <laughs> they're good. They were they super were lightweight. They pack down, strapped to the backpack. You don't know they're there. And if you're in a situation where you don't want to move for a few hours and see if wildlife comes along. And this <clears throat> river where we were filming was at this point 60, 70 yards across at most. Yeah, at the most. At most, yeah. Right. So we could sit there with our equipment and wait for animals to go by on the far shore. And those were super comfy. Yeah, it was great. We hike in, and then... You know, we've down, all done it where you have to spend two hours, three hours, four, four hours in one five. spot. And if you don't have that and you're kneeling down, that doesn't last very long. You try to sit Indian style, something falls asleep. You sit in the turkey blind, turkey chairs or whatever for grouse. I mean, there's always something. That, there's an issue. And so with the previous comments, I guess you guys can all tell which two of us were sitting <laughs> I did manage to get about maybe five minutes in one of the chairs. <laughs> they are going to make their way to the grouse legs next year for sure. Well, you, you very started cozy. You went on a different adventure for the first half we of did. the evening. Yep, that was part of the excuse. But yeah, these chairs, you can find them anywhere online and they just collapse. All these little aluminum posts pop out and fold up and into the little pack. Anyway. That's what makes them perfect because you, you can easily fit them in just about any camera bag that, or camera backpack that you own or, or be able to strap them on. Yeah. And they don't add any weight at all. And they're small enough you throw them in, just leave them in your, buy a cut, they're cheap. Well, they're Relatively. not cheap, 40, 40 bucks. 40 US, 60 Canadian. Something like that. I should look it up again. But yeah, it wasn't expensive. You could just buy one for your, every car that you have and or whatever you're shooting out of and just leave it there. Well, I'll tell you, when you do a four or five day interior canoe trip, and you I've done this before, where you just try to find a root mass or something to sit on, mm -hmm. you've got maybe a cushion or your or your life preserver is your backrest. It works, but after a few days it's not it's not comfortable. And right. for something this lightweight and, and portable, compact, it's we'll put a link on the show or well, yeah. I think I think there's photographic proof of us in the chairs. Yeah, there is video evidence as video well. Video as well. <laughs> there's definitely <laughs> But this, so we sat there and, and just talked and caught up on all kinds of things about life. And three eagles went by in that time. Right. One carrying a stick this time of year, right over our heads. Yep. That was cool. And they perched one had a salmon carcass, flew up in a tree across the river from us. So just hiking, we may not have seen that. No, and I think we were in a good spot. We were in a spot where last year we got a lot of footage of bears. Right. And with not a lot of bears showing up, you just go to what you know, right? And sure. so we went to that spot and... You got to spend time, so you might as well be comfortable if you're spending the time. And I don't know, we probably sat there for three hours, at least three yeah, hours. Yeah, at least three. And where we were was a situation where we had this relatively rare opportunity to potentially film brown bears and black bears. Last year we had that. I mean, it could be 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes later, the other species came by. Yep. This year, the bear activity is way down, and between talking to locals and our speculations, I mean, there's no guarantee as to why, but there are a handful of variables that could be impacting that. The fact that we're kind of between salmon runs right now, there aren't as many fish in the river or uh, carcasses that they can find that fishermen might have left after they've been filleted. Now, the fishermen, as we talked about on last year's podcast, if you go back and, and hear about that adventure, they're to break up the salmon skeleton backbone carcass after they filleted them and let it flow down the river so that the bears aren't supposed to be attracted. However, a lot of them still get snagged on these deadfalls that are logs that are along the river shore or little eddies that pool into the shoreline. And then the bears know to routinely and probably, you know, I'd speculate three times a day, they'd, they'd walk that river at when there are lots of salmon and carcasses and get easy meals. The bears know, the eagles know, the gulls know. That's I, what I was going to say. A lot of times in most most situations because they're they're being pulled up on the far far side of the shore where most of the fishing takes place and 
I think a lot of the carcasses that are pulled over to the shore are from the gulls. There's several hundred gulls in the area. And so they'll pull them off to the opposite bank and, and start to eat on them. And then they start to chatter back and forth. And it's, you know, that can be an attractant to a bear that knows what that what that sound or what those arguments, all that squawking is all about. They know there's carcasses available. And then, you know, so we kind of targeted some of those loud areas as well where the gulls were active um, as potential for a bear showing up. It worked for me. If I was starving and hungry, well, not that the bears are, but if I was hungry enough to eat a salmon carcass, this is where I'm going with that. If I heard the gulls chattering, I'd be checking it out. Oh, and obviously sure. these bears live here and are so attuned to their environment. I, I agree that would be a great cue for them. And But just this year, again, talking to the, the locals that work and live in this area, the bear sightings are way down in this vicinity. I mean, the bears are clearly in the greater area, but they've switched to a different um, source of food between mm -hmm. the salmon runs right now or... Or just different areas. The smoke. To might fish, have, yeah. Different areas to fish, right? They may be further upstream than we were, right, where the fish are actually spawning because we were, we're a fair ways from that where we're, we were positioned. And perhaps the days that the, the forest fire seems close and the smoke's all around, who knows? Maybe they're smart enough they move over in the next mountain another stream somewhere too. So hmm. for whatever reason, we weren't seeing the number of bears and there was no way of predicting that, obviously, wildlife photography, and, and we don't know what we're going to encounter when we get to a destination. But you know, persistence typically pays off, and we hear of a sighting here and there over the past couple of days that we've been in this area. And I don't know if we say it, but we waited last night, and we're... Don't, night, don't get not, ahead. Not, not, night, night is so short here. <laughs> I mean, we were filming until 11.30 on the river, 11.30 p.m., so and I could have still cooler. shoot and get decent. At 11.30, you can still get decent footage. Well, Ron did. It was 11 yeah, o'clock, maybe? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Ron got outstanding environmental footage of this landscape, the river, the great scene. And we just, I don't know who spotted I think you Michael, Michael did. Michael yeah. spotted it, looked down river, and here's this bear's head swimming the river from our side to the far side. Maybe a couple hundred, 150 yards downriver. Yeah. And but it came from last year. You know, it just mm -hmm. came from scanning that river a million times last year and knowing where to look. And there it was. So beautiful, impressive female brown bear mm -hmm. climbed on the shore, but there was more to it than that. She was being pursued. She, Yeah, she had a follower. She had a follower. Cub of the year. A smaller head. And actually, I didn't, when I first saw her, she was, it looked like she was fishing to me. I mean, she was going through the river, but maybe she just had kind of climbed out from the swim. I thought she was fishing when I first saw her. It looked like she just had her nose down going out looking for fish in the river. But it was just seconds. I mean, it wasn't that yeah, long. it was a glimpse that whole encounter was because Mike, yeah, Michael saw her first. And so I don't know. I mean, she could have, some other people were saying that, she could have swam across the river because there were people walking down the other side of the mm -hmm. river. I don't know. It's hard to say. So they climbed out on the bank, and because this is such a popular bear area, there are trails, and if you watch in the, there are little openings between the vegetation, between the grass and mm -hmm. the fireweed. The fireweed is tops this year everywhere. Beautiful color. And you were positioned perfectly to get the two of them walking through one of these openings. In yeah, the I didn't even see the cub, to be honest, until I looked watch the clip and then i saw the club because she to me looked nervous and i didn't realize that she had a cub and she wasn't really it wasn't nervous about the people it wasn't aggressive it wasn't anything like that she just had her ears perked up and she was looking she kept looking back mm -hmm. and then she went back and then i did see the cub when she went back got him because he was having trouble he or she having trouble climbing out of the shoreline and uh it did follow her out from behind that little clump of fireweed, and then she was a lot more relaxed once once the cub was with her. But, yeah, I said she's nervous, and it, it it's kind of misleading, I guess, because I didn't mean that she was nervous about us. Well, we she were just, a long way off. We, we were, were still yeah, we were yards way away. out. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, on the far shore. But she did keep looking back, and she climbed back out of the water and ran back, actually, just a short ways. And then well, once current. she gathered her cub up, yeah, I think that she I, was there's off. a chance that I mean, she, I think it was she was concerned about the the cub in the water, not that it would be swept away right. and drowned or anything. It wasn't like that, but just enough current that mm-hmm. it would create a little more distance between them than she'd be comfortable. And she was comfortable because it was a cub of the year, so. Mm-hmm. Well, I got to thinking last night, too. I mean, imagine being a bear here. There's a lot of people. There's people fishing. There's there's just activity. And growing up here as a bear, mm-hmm. and some of these people carry guns. And some of these people are not smart enough to know what to do. I mean, they have no business carrying a gun. Overreact. Yeah. yeah. I heard of a story where somebody shot a bear in the foot. Apparently, and, apparently happened last year, right? I don't know when it was. It was recently, yeah, last year, this year, and okay, and it was a long ways away. It was they thought they were being charged. It was no, not that situation at all. So, just with all that in mind, just think about if if you were a bear. I mean, being her being on her toes and being nervous, and then now she's got the responsibility of raising this little one, right? And amongst all this chaos, it's like. Mm -hmm. Right, you can see why she's a little bit on edge. Right. Yeah, and and there also could be males in the area. Cub of the year. Oh, she's for sure. To be protective mm-hmm. of that, especially with so much vegetation, lose sight of her cub. It's a you know, she would react to that. But it's pretty different from last year. I mean, last year you could imagine, you know, we'd see that, and you you know, what 150 yards down the river, you'd wait two or three minutes, and they'd walk right by you across the river but they'd walk and just keep and not be nervous at all so does that mean we're just early all these bears are kind of getting back into the used used to people thing and in two or three weeks it's going to be i don't know it's so hard to say right because i talked to another photographer who said oh yeah just give it two or three weeks there'll be tons of bears everywhere once the second run comes i'd wager they come back in but some of them even last year there were there was there were a couple of individual bears that were a little more nervous or shy. But right. I would think most of them would be used to the, the human presence because of the fishing along the river and, and comfortable and smart enough. to. This, people seem to stay on one shoreline and, or in the river, maybe halfway across, but the bears are almost always working the far shore from what we saw last year. And the other thing that, you know, here's a, here's a wildlife photography hack. When you're filming bears on a, on a salmon river, no matter where it is, when there's a chance of these carcasses being snagged on these deadfalls, there's so much vegetation along the banks of the river, the bears, every deadfall, anywhere along the shore, they would walk out on it to search for a snag, fish. And that would expose the whole bear, the claws on the logs, and created a great photo opportunity or video last year that way. You're exactly right. They're always going to search every little spot. Then they're going to catch a, fi- a live fish if they can, but they're going to be opportunistic and get a carcass if they have to. Right, and they do that, and then they go back in, into the forest, and then 15 minutes later they'd be out and working the shore. Looking and for heading, another one. Heading up again, yeah. I would say last year when we were here, 90% of what we saw were carcasses being eaten, but I did see bears fishing for you know, a slow salmon or something that, you know, salmon is just not going to make it to the spawning grounds. You could tell, and they would catch that. Something else that we did this year that we didn't have the opportunity to attempt last year was underwater filming of the salmon run. We were excited to get here with a few different devices that we want to share with you and how that unfolded for us Mm -hmm. to film them underwater. Yeah, last year was stupid because we got here and I had a GoPro, but I had taken the door off. <laughs> so on these GoPros, you can take the door off, and if the door's off, you can plug into external power. And I must have been shooting something where I needed external power. And I put that door in a really safe spot. <laughs> so, safe. so safe. Still safe today. It's still safe. <laughs> Wherever it's at, it's safe. So there was no chance to try it last year. And it was kind of a bummer because I've seen some really cool footage and I didn't know if we could get that or not. I don't, I don't know. There's an art to this, right? But this year we came prepared. We came, yeah, we came prepared with a, with a few different options. and uh, Primarily between GoPros and the DJI action camera, the new one, uh, we were able to get some 
it's I mean it's not phenomenal footage because the water quality was with that glacial melt you do get some soot in the water so the clarity made it a little bit more difficult but we did get some pretty good footage of um, salmon trout um, we did not you know I was kind of hoping that we would be able to get a, a bear active and maybe get some underwater footage but now seeing what that would entail I don't think that that's a that's a possibility okay so the intent was to take kind of a stiffer small tripod to put an action cam on the tripod and then we would pile rocks around the legs that was the intent what we found was the water speed and the the current I don't think would have made that possible because it not was not at the spot we tried not at the, not at the spot we were looking at yeah uh, down lower, you know, we may have been able to find an eddy or something like that where we could have given it a shot. But at the spot that we, you know, that was holding the most fish that we thought would be primo, uh, it wouldn't have worked at all. It's an art. Yeah. It's something that you're just, I mean, I think we hacked it out pretty decently. We got right. some footage that's usable and we can certainly illustrate. We can show people some, something that they very few have ever seen. Right. But did we kill it? Uh, not even close. So. Well, way better than last year. Well, yeah, that's what I'm we saying. We're, we got footage. We got so, stuff that's usable. We and just that goes, Yeah, it goes to show two things. Number one, you know, Mark always talks about the 10-day rule. You need some time to flesh some of these things out because one of the things that we were using was just a telescoping um, kind of wand. Monopod even. Yeah. We, and we picked up a well, $20 one in yep. Anchorage that... I think really worked well. That worked a lot better. The telescoping thing was way too light, and okay. when when it was in the water, the turbidity in the in the water would just basically cause a little bit of a wave. It's a in constant the, shake. in the footage. You can also pick spot. I mean, there's always a flow, but there, we tried. There we filmed is, in three but, different locations, and one was super fast with lots right. of aeration and bubbles in the water, but a different dramatic effect. And I, mm. I'm hoping that there's some tolerance for a bit of movement because of that. Yeah, you can't pick where the fish are though. And mm -hmm. the one, the best opportunity that we had to film a big hook-jawed male, full spawning color, sockeye, um, that turbidity may have caused a little bit of a problem. We, we'll oh, really? see if we can take it out in okay. in post because there is a, you know, a smoothing effect that you can add to that footage, and I think it will help. But the monopod, which, you know. That's what you were using, Michael. Was mm -hmm. the the monopod? That was the ticket. Yeah, it was only Once you started bucks. using that. It was it was fairly solid. More so, you still get the shake, but right. and I think it's perfecting it. You know, it's just time. It's just mm -hmm. time to go out. It's a ten day rule. Get out there. You know, you'd be great. You'd be a dry suit would be awesome. Right. Picking and choosing your spots on the river would be awesome. You could spend four days just finding the right spot right mm -hmm. and yeah and trying and stuff all along the way but i will say the gopros are great what you're about to talk about here in a little bit is better but that would be another 10 days it's 10 days to, to perfect, find and perfect yeah. your osmo but another 10 days to find and perfect this other thing so we're here to experiment with this gear and to save all of you grief in the field <laughs> And iron out some of the wrinkles with with uh, this new tech. It's been fun, but it's also I, I like the fact that we had these three different areas that we tried this underwater photography and having to find the fish, and then we ended up getting mm -hmm. uh, trout in there with the salmon. And I like that where your son Heath had that rock shoreline. He, it was a rock bank. Yeah, there was a little bit of a shelf there that he was able to get some footage off of. And Yeah, it was really a cool perspective mm -hmm. as well. And then that, that red sockeye was such a striking fish. That was, and, yeah. And because it was clearly near the end of its run, it was just holding place for the most part. And so that and waders were a game changer there mm -hmm. because for that fish, it was a matter of getting, you know, Had to get 15 yards into to the room. Just a little bit. Yeah. And just with a very slow and steady approach, Heath was able to get quite close with the extended monopod pole out to the five feet or whatever it was with mm -hmm. 
the Osmo action camera that he was using and get right close to the fish. And it took, you know, maybe 15 minutes. Even even a sockeye salmon had to get used to his presence, and it would move off a little bit, but then shift right back to the channel that preferred to right. swim in and be close to he. So it was fun to watch. And then the footage, yeah, the camera angle, so you can adjust it on the end of the monopod, and because of the head that was on there, and whether you hold the monopod straight out with the camera at a 90-degree angle or in places where the bank is steep. And I tried doing some where I had to hold the monopod down and would have to tip the camera up. And that was a pool, and I, I could see the salmon in it. And it looked like the perfect situation. It was just a little bit out of the main current. The salmon were in there resting. I put the camera in, filmed, pulled it up, and these salmon were torn up, one didn't have an eye, they looked like kind of like zombies near the end of their run. Mm -hmm. There's all different stages of health and fitness in this river. So that little pool was no good. That footage, I mean, it illustrates that, but it's not attractive. So we found other places that, that and Sean mentioned that he got great footage with smolt. So mm -hmm. salmon of the year, they live in the river for their first year of their life, up to eight inches, along with the salmon migrating yeah. up the river. So and it some, of that, some of that footage that Heath got, if you watch it long enough, I mean, we were just checking these clips to make sure that we were actually getting the fish because one of the things, you talked about the the turbidity on the surface and the aeration and all the bubbles. The first little learning curve was you need to actually tilt that camera down. You don't want to shoot back up because that's all you're going to get. And so when, once we figured out you had to point the camera down a little bit more, then we started to get more fish. And then as we watched the clips a little bit more, when we got back to the cabin, there actually was smolt. There was trout, salmon, and the smolt in the in the footage off that shelf, which, you know, it, it is a good indicator because the, the smolt will stay in that stream for the first year of their life before they head out to head out to sea, make that journey the right. first time. Yeah, it was it was a lot of trial and error and, and fun, and even the settings on the camera. And I mean, that was something. I think the first I would I'd suggest on these cameras, like the Osmo Action, checking it right there in the field, so each mm -hmm. clip, because I'd go down and realize the camera angle is wrong. Mm -hmm. and like you said, it's pointing up too much or down, or do I need to drop a foot lower in the water, depending on where the fish are, and the fish would bump it, and where are they, or too far back, and all I get is a tail in the frame. All those adjustments, you know, so. You, it takes a, a few hours of, of hanging out there. But more than that, when we left, I could have stayed for another couple hours. Right. I wasn't ready to leave to just because I'm thinking, oh, I need to try this, or I need to try this, or I need to try this. So the good thing is, is we got another big run, mm -hmm. and it's, we can come back. It's just starting the second run here right. in mid-July of the Sockeye. Right. And unfortunately, the Kenai River. I won't be able to be on that one, but... I'm excited to see what you guys will get. I think things will change quite a bit if you get the opportunity to come back down. If we do, we yeah, we, that's we're going to close off and at the end of this podcast and tell you kind of where we're going next. It's it's an exciting trip with different chapters here in Alaska. Mm -hmm. So you up the game, Ron, on the underwater attempts with this housing this year. Yeah, so we, I tried again uh, DSLR to get a reasonably priced underwater option for the DSLR. And what I ended up going with was the Altex uh, housing. Basically, it's a, well, in Mark's words. Silicon, no, Mark's silicon sheath. <laughs> we can go with that. Right, that's what we'll go with. Keep this family friendly. Uh, but you still have full control of the camera. It does take a little bit longer to change anything. Or to make adjustments and you kind of have to take the shot view it see where you need to make any adjustments and what i one of the challenges was we didn't have a dry suit like you talked about before and i think that would be the ticket so you could be down there actually looking at making sure that everything's framed up just right uh, because if the if the camera doesn't find focus it won't it won't shoot so if we didn't have so what we ended up doing was just keeping the camera on the center focus point and then that made it a little bit easier from above to get the shot what i will say number one about the outtex is it everything is perfectly dry it's sealed up completely tight um i don't know 
I can't comment right now about image quality and I probably would say that this was not necessarily a fair assessment for image quality because you are dealing with that silty water as far as movement it, it was you know you're able to handhold it fairly stable a lot more stable than having a, a little tiny flimsy telescoping monopod you know you're hand holding it um were you shooting stills or video both. or both both yeah primarily stills we try to get some stills of the uh the one big male that we saw uh, because he was sitting in one spot and he was fairly compliant at that time and then tried to get some stills what i wanted the shot that I wanted was some salmon underneath the water and then to show the landscape above. And I, that's going to take a dry suit. And it's going to take some more time as well. Because I think if you just crawled along the bottom to some of these, you know, active holes, I think you'd be able to get that shot easily. But right. Because there are areas where it's only a couple of feet deep. Mm -hmm. And then there's the hole, so you could just yeah. I think you could brace yourself and snorkel in there, and right, you'd be fine. <laughs> it's like Looking a whole another this. set of skills. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's that's the next level. We'll get and a cold head because the dry suit, while it'll keep the rest of you dry, do they work? Still gonna be. Yeah, I look at those things all the time. I'm like, is that well keep you dry? And what, are you keeping warm? What I warm? think is they must because I see those. They must. I see those guys. Um, I've never used a dry suit before. Dove with a, a wetsuit a lot. And you might be able to get away with a wetsuit in here, but those guys are filming under the ice in the Arctic. Commonly. Yeah, but they're just Proof. heroes. They're super <laughs> supermen. <laughs> I don't may, think I'm made of that material. They may be that too. But I, I'm not sure just because I'm submerged under ice that somehow, even though it's several feet thick, could shift, and I don't want to stay down there forever. <laughs> That's my hang-up with that, but I I think that there must be some, you know, it must be, yeah, must work as far keep as keep them dry, and then they've got some warm. other methods to stay alive. You just pee in your dry, ah, not in the dry suit. No, <laughs> that's the wetsuit. <laughs> oh, I worked in fisheries for a summer in the St. Lawrence River, and, and we wore wetsuits every day. Um, the river wasn't that cold that we needed to pee in it first. We would just wade in and, and take that first initial shock. No different than jumping off the dock. Or, you know, when you first go airborne, it's like, oh, you're committed, and then psh, it's cold. Okay, we're all right now. All right. It's the same thing with the wetsuit. You go in, it just fills up with the water. The first, you know, 30 seconds, you feel the temperature. Then it's such a thin layer, it warms up from the body heat, and we were comfortable the rest of the time. We were sanding for muskellunge and muskies that fry that summer, doing a census on the St. Lawrence River mm -hmm. for how they were. the population was faring. So, I mean, these, I think a wetsuit would work for this temperature of river. I mean, it's still cool. It's glacial fed, but would work just that initial mm -hmm. few seconds of wake up. Yeah. I don't know. I think this river is deceiving in so many ways. Oh, it is for sure. I mean, it's definitely colder than you would think given the ambient temperature outside, but the water is still coming off of, it's still being glacially fed. While we were Especially sitting there year, last night. Mm -hmm. The heat. Yes. For a couple hours of research discussion. Mm -hmm. Right. Relaxation. <laughs> it was research. Yeah, we were we were doing a lot of planning. Yeah. yeah. Some dude walked out in the river and he was wearing uh, flip-flops and shorts. So we actually we placed put wagers. A wager down to see who's how long he was going to last. Because mm -hmm. I didn't even touch the water, so I don't even know how cold it is. But it has to be cold. And I'm thinking, no way. And this dude had just... California written all over him. Tourist, you could just tell he wasn't a local, and so I figured, yeah, this will never last. Yeah, I think you only you only gave him fifteen minutes. Not even that. I don't think it was less than that. <laughs> I think I gave him ten minutes more, and he he outlasted both. Both of us. He did. I, he was no out idea. there for a long time. Yeah, mm -hmm. ran right up over his knees at times, and you would think he'd lose feeling in his feet. And these rocks in the river. I mean, it's not it's not a sand bottom. No, these are rocks, and there's there's they'd be slippery flip flops. You'd think too. Anyway, he survived just fine. Yeah, he, he he was impressed, impressed. So we did a video for our YouTube channel that will be put up at, in the future as well. Yeah, on how to how to assemble the Outex. No, it was the Outtech. It was the Outtech. Out there, it was the Outtech. It was mispronounced. Jr., I apologize. 
but I did mispronounce the name of the of the housing. Well, partly part of that problem is is there's no names on the product. Right. So we couldn't verify. Yep. And it was very late. It was, right. These days are super long. <laughs> we are tired more often than not just due to the hiking, the fresh air, the focus, the searching, and the fact that night is three and a half hours of darkness at this point. And so, it, yeah, we're having too much fun but are often fatigued because of it. But watching you, and Mike was filming you for the YouTube channel, assembling that, it was great to see you actually put all the housing on. From the There's a front lens element, a rear element for the screen, and then just to show the pliability of the silicon and how to fit it. And mm -hmm. the fact, you know, obviously from what you said on this trip, you have to play with it and get used to it to some degree. And, and maybe, you know, you could probably, well, make sense to do it at home and, and try it in a laundry sink and stuff and just work with the buttons on the camera so that when you're in the field you're, you're comfortable with the functionality but mm -hmm. it was great that you were able to film this clip showing the entire assembly at in the, the field because yeah, on the last yeah, it shows you can you can take your take your camera body out in the field use it however you'd like and then if you find something that you think you want to capture you can assemble this thing in the field easily and again it's silicone and real uh airplane grade aluminum so it's very light and it you know you throw it in a pack it does take a little bit of space because there is a bracket on the rear element the rear glass element but otherwise it there's hardly any weight to it at all and and it's very compact so again another item that easily fits in the camera bag and you might as well have it in the field because there you never know when those opportunities are going to come about you all want to know how confident ron was in this little unit? Do you want to tell him? No. <laughs> My insurance agent may <laughs> listen to the podcast. <laughs> this body's new and it's not insured and he's throwing it out there in the river. So he's pretty confident in it. We rolled it a couple times, but it is sealed up very tightly. And it says, uh, you know, I was there when you were putting it together for the first time. It says you don't have to wrench these things down and try to get this super tight seal. It's like just snug them down and no, the it'll be fine. A, a gel, basically, so it does kind of form itself. Probably expands a little bit. Yeah. So it took you, what would you estimate, to assemble it all? In the field, you decided you're going to do some split screen rivers photos or video. How many minutes would you say it takes to put this together? I uh, I think in the field it it took maybe three or four minutes. Mm -hmm. That's not that long. I don't. You know, you guys would probably have a better idea because I was actually doing it. And sometimes you lose track of how long that actually took. But three or four minutes, and it's it's pretty fast. You're not gonna you're not gonna throw it on in 15 seconds and get an underwater shot. That's fact. But you also have your cameras safe, and it's sealed up. And that front element, it threads onto the the threads of your lens, so it is in place. The back element, there's a little bit of movement because it does come off an L bracket uh, from the tripod lug. So there's a little bit of movement there, but that you know that one's you don't require that one to be consistent. But the front element is definitely consistent. It's locked in place. And so I think, you know, I think the image quality, in the, given the right water circumstances, um, I think the image quality would be just fine. And, and this is something that you source directly from the company. Mm -hmm. And it's Otex. 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 So it was mm -hmm. O-U-T-E-X, mm -hmm. just dot .com. Otex.com, yeah. And the price point was... Uh, it was just under five hundred dollars for the for the front element rear rear glass and it's I think they call it their pro kit. Okay. It does get cheaper. I mean, if you don't need the rear glass, you can get into it for about two ninety nine. I think. But you'd probably recommend it just for visibility. I liked on having your rear glass because yeah, you can you can check your images, uh, you can check your settings. If you put throw it in live view, you're you're looking at the image that you're going to capture. So, so if you don't have the rear glass, it just has a the silicone. The silicone just goes all it's the way just around. It only has yeah. one hole. Mm -hmm. huh. 
Well, I would say it's a perfect solution for this. For river stuff, mm-hmm. I don't think I would take that down in deep water. No, you can't. Um, and we talked about that, I think. Uh, I don't remember it was if it was on a podcast or w- whatever, but, yeah, I think 25 meters is the But I don't even think I'd take it down that meters. far. That's deep. Yeah, that's... Uh, no, might have been 25 feet because it was not... Even still, yeah. It wasn't 25 that feet. But okay. even that, I mean, because you guys know when you get in deep water and how the pressure... Yeah. reacts oh, i feel it i think you don't it would be hard to adjust any controls down there yeah it definitely would you i think you if you're going to go underwater you, you have, have to have the back set. glass and then you need to have everything adjusted yeah Otherwise, so maybe it would it's, it's going to take you some time and for the record we paid or you paid in this case full dollar for this it's yeah something yeah, this isn't a promotional no discount piece. no promotion we we're just we wanted to test the product and well i think if, if we, we were getting paid needs. for it we would have had the name right there's <laughs> right it is an unusual name <laughs> no right doubt. so i mean yeah. it, we're close every time we either get yeah. it or we're close but yeah that's right it's, yeah. it's different well, and we corrected it it's not like we Absolutely. did it on purpose we were just right. out in the woods right. well, that's a good find and as yeah. you've pointed out on previous podcasts, you know, the alternative is significantly more expensive. And obviously, if somebody's serious and doing underwater photography for the majority of their portfolio, mm-hmm. it would make sense to consider a more professional fitted housing. Fitted housing, yeah, that, but, that you have control of. But if you really want to enhance your portfolio and sure. change it up, this this is a pretty... Mm-hmm. It's a good tool. I don't know. I'm, I'm looking at it thinking... See, I just don't know if I would use it, just because I don't think I would take the time to perfect it. And I'm not a huge water guy, so the thought of jumping in a wetsuit or a dry suit and going out there and spending a couple of days to figure it out, mm-hmm. I don't know. When I can grab a GoPro, it's kind of like, all right. right, I think I'm just going to grab a GoPro. Well, right. there were definitely some, you know, the the thing that I thought is the GoPro or the any of the action cams... The lens is so small that getting that split shot is pretty much impossible. Um, it is wide angle, so you you could do it for sure, but this is a lot easier option, and that's kind of the shot that I had envisioned um, wanting to capture with this thing. I think it's a great addition to your kit, your gear bag, if if it's something you're interested in doing for the price point. And yeah, just and we do some a, practice. That's a lot of snorkeling, within. even in the in the lakes around douglas just to see what we can see and i i've gone down there and had crayfish just come right up to my face and so i thought it would be it would be kind of neat danger danger like three inches long (laughs) um well yeah it's a great addition so it's and who who would have thought of this right so are you look let's talk about (laughs) what were you gonna say well, I was trying to figure, I wanted to segue into the Osmo Action mm-hmm. because we were using two of those on this trip for the same application. And I think this will be better for split screen, like you're pointing out, because you can see it more easily. Whereas the action cameras like the GoPro 7 or the Osmo Action, you know, I think if I was attempting that, you would have to do it multiple times and look at it and figure mm-hmm. it And there's still some luck to it because of the size. But they definitely have you know application we were using uh, sean had a gopro 7 and the results on that for the underwater salmon footage was fantastic from his feedback and the osmo action was also equally good from what we saw however we had two osmo actions in play and we had a problem with one of them and that was not necessarily the camera's fault i don't know what happened i think we got an error that said the what was it? I don't remember. Card error. Card error. And so we pulled it apart and there was water inside of it. So I don't know. It, I, it, I don't think it was anything anybody did. I think it well, was. A button could have. You called me the nut behind the wheel. Well, but I don't think it was you. <laughs> that had nothing to do with that. I think the nut behind. <laughs> that is more onto the pocket. Oh, that yeah, was the yeah. action. That oh, was the pocket. Oh, we're going to get to that too. Yeah, yeah that yeah, was yeah. different. <laughs> yeah. Okay, sure. So the action, I think. There's two little knobs that you hit to eject the battery, and I think one of them had gotten clicked, and so that battery was just a hair out of alignment. Right. That and time. I think just going down in the water just enough, especially in that fast water. Mm-hmm. That could. Come. But we're recording this right now on that camera, and it's working. So. Oh, good. I don't so know. It dried if it's, out. I don't know. 
Well, it was just one of the doors. It was open a tiny bit. It wasn't completely sealed. So to advise people, you know, before submersing it, <laughs> before push on. The water. Double check. Double check. Push on each of those little flaps. And if you're really anal, you could get some electrical tape and just run a thing around the bottom and just prevent any, you know, seal it up even a little but bit more. Would that still fit in the housing if you did that? That's well, that's why I was thinking electrical tape because that's about the sure. thinnest tape. Yeah. Thinnest, most durable tape. I may not fit. I don't know. Well, but just be careful with it. Keep your keep your doors closed. Keep your drawers on. <laughs> no, so I I don't know. I think they're pretty good. I think it's awesome. I think I could perfect. I think I could get a killer shot with that camera mm -hmm. if I had two days. Well, we got some. I think we've got some great footage. I got. I didn't. I, I didn't see anybody that got the perfect shot. The perfect shot is no shake. Mm -hmm. The perfect fish. Right. The shelf. But you, you know only need the light. Three seconds. Of no shake. Oh, we got three seconds of, right. of adequacy. We don't have three seconds of brilliance. All right. Well, let's go back to the river. <laughs> it's all part of it. But it's two more, you know, well, two more days than we can do. Our footage. Is, I'm going to do it this year. I will have brilliance this year. We have significantly better footage than last year. <laughs> <laughs> we for yeah, underwater. We over the moon footage. But I'm liking this Osmo action. I, I think I'm going to pick one up uh, in Anchorage. For those of you that drive through Anchorage at some point in time and are from other parts of the country or continent, there's no sales tax in Anchorage. Food for thought. Right. Yeah. So prices uh, are a little better because of that. So another thing we were doing, you, well, why don't we hop on to the nut behind the wheel? And we were using the Osmo Pockets, as we do frequently, for B-roll behind the scenes of what we're doing, the fun stuff we get into. Now, the Pocket, this is the first trip I've really used it extensively. The menu system's quite user-friendly in it. I'm enjoying that setup. And the Pano modes are cool for the glaciers that we did out on the boat. Mm -hmm. You know, you can do What it. is the Pano mode? Well, you can do the horizontal Pano mode where it captures... I can't remember exactly if it was three or four horizontal frames to stitch together automatically. Oh, it's taking a still for you. That's, this is still, yep. See? And you talk nice about it, and what happens? Stand by. It just goes off all by itself. I was stopping. I'm stop. No, you can keep going. I'm just going to curse the camera because I want this to go online. Is it? Is it running? Nope. I don't know what it's doing. Now it's green. I don't think it's happy. All right. Do you but want to let start me start it again. Or no, do let's see if I can get connected. Keep going. So there, yeah, there's another panel mode that does, again, if it was six or eight frames, but it does a, a top stretch and a bottom stretch. It fits them together in a different sequence that way huh. on the Osmo Pocket by DJI. Again, something we paid full price for. Now, there are other settings. Time lapse is something that we're experimenting with. Slow motion I have done a lot with on this trip because it crops in further on the sensor. So for the orcas, which was mind-blowing, and listen to last week's podcast about that, by doing it in slow motion, it had two benefits. It cropped in, so, I mean, obviously it's a wide-angle view to begin mm -hmm. with, so it cropped in so it looked a little closer to the whales, but it slowed the scene down. So as the, as the t or dorsal fin came up, and the animal's back came above the waterline, it just made the sequence so much more gratifying to have it slow and extended by doing it in slow motion. And then there's a regular footage video that you can set to multiple um, settings, whether it's, well, we shoot it all at 4K, but there's we were, I was shooting at 30 frames per second. You can shoot at 60 frames per second. But Michael was making fun of me because of the time-lapse stuff we were doing. The time-lapse, the settings on the Osmo Pocket camera out of the box are five second interval, which was super fast. And we did this amazing downhill hike through the forest to get to this river in the Kenai Peninsula where we are. And it was good, it's a perfect situation for time-lapse, in my opinion, to show this hike down, the effort involved, the slippery rocks, the forest, and then emerging at this beautiful river, the salmon. And at the five-second interval, it made it look like we were going down on, on toboggans or skis <laughs> or on your snowboard. Space shuttle. It was so fast. There we are. Okay. Too fast. Too fast. It's too, too fast to comprehend. And it drifted on me, too. 
at the well, beginning. Well, and so I don't I, think, yeah, and I wasn't calling you up behind the wheel derogatory. It was just, I think it's just us not having enough familiarity with these pieces of equipment to take the time to say, okay, there's three modes right. for that gimbal. Mm-hmm. One is there's a follow, right. one is kind of a free, and one is I'll slowly move in to your zone. Can you lock it? I, I think even, you can lock it, too. So there are two buttons. Yeah, so that's one. Yeah. See, we're learning. I use these all the time, and I don't know. I just play with the buttons till I find what I like, how I like Mm -hmm. to shoot, and I go. I don't can't tell you what they're all called, but I think that's what your problem was. Is I think you had a set on one that was kind of a more of a free, clearly, and then it would just drift off. Well, by sharing this with our audience is something that will hopefully put them ahead of the head of the curve. With just play with it. It's not rocket science. It's just figuring it out. So we had these situ- well, you had these devices. Both of you had a harness that mounted the, the Osmo pocket to your middle of your chest. And I had a clamp that mounted it to the side of my backpack. We quickly feel, feel like that didn't work. In this scenario, it, yeah, it didn't work. I'm we not, don't I'm like not, the shoulder. I'm not liking it, really. But it did drift. So what I ended up doing was just holding it in my hand for the hike. And that worked. But it's, did it still drift? No, it didn't drift. Because I was able to move it as well with my hand and kind of float along. And that worked. The only problem at the end of the clip was the speed of the clip in that situation. But the camera itself didn't drift like it did when it was fastened to my shoulder strap. So how long did it take us to get from top to bottom? Ten minutes? Ten minutes, maybe. Yeah. And, and the other option there would be to just film the whole thing and then hyperlapse it. Right. Yeah, because the fastest you can do a time lapse on that little camera is three seconds. And, and we were doing be. five. And three wouldn't even... You need to do it like every half second to have a really cool yeah, hyperlapse. Down enough to people. You want it doesn't. We don't want people to think it's just a whole blur. You have to see some of the yeah. habitat going by, and that's why there are three of us on this podcast. Good tip, Ron. But I think that's well, it, and I think the chest things I are didn't pretty do cool. It though. So, well, no, not. but you weren't you weren't <laughs> documenting that hike right in that mode. So I was just trying to again. It's the fun of creating this content. For our channel, for our YouTube channel, or for our show notes, or any things that we want to share of being in the field so people feel like they're with us, is all this B-roll mm-hmm. and capturing it in these different formats, whether it's regular video, whether it's slow motion, whether it's time-lapse. It's, you know, a diversity of presentation to make for a more dramatic effect. And why not if the gear does it just by a little swipe and a click? So, right. It's a fun tool. I, I mean, I am enjoying the Osmo Pocket. And the it quality is, coming off of it. But. It's been a great tool. It's, mm-hmm. yeah, for me, it's probably my favorite for, for B-roll. Over the action, the Osmo action, you still? Yeah, you know, the action, I think, is something that, well, it's something that I haven't used enough Okay. at this point. I think that it gives you some different options, some different opportunities, and I did find a couple tools that I need to go along with it. You know, as far as tripod, being able to to get it set quick in the field to get to get some B-roll shots and then you know move it on. Okay. Um, but it is a fantastic tool, especially for the underwater potential. Right. That thing is. Well, we should see. I mean, after this trip, we should know if this, if any of these are any good. Right. I mean, if the footage is good. The Osmo Pocket is awesome. But it's small and it's super easy, which leads me to think uh, it's going to be all right. It's We're not going to get awesome stuff because you're limited with lenses. You're limited with mm-hmm. all that stuff. Audio is not that great. You know, there's all these limitations. If if those limitations are outweighed by awesome, we would have never got that any other way, then it's perfect. Well, it's quick storytelling. It's ease mm-hmm. of access. I mean, in two seconds you're filming whatever it might be right so it's yeah it's a useful and the audio from what you've seen so far on the osmo action was a little bit superior to the pocket in your opinion i think yeah i think it is i mean the pocket i think is sufficient for social media stuff as far as audio no yeah okay yeah and we also picked up uh, neutral density filters for these devices to help in in various lighting conditions as well Mm -hmm. i've had those on throughout the trip on the osmo pocket mine has had one on the whole time too so i think when i get back to anchorage i am going to pick up an osmo action because i want to have that ability to do underwater Mm -hmm. and i also like the ability 
And it's the same price as a GoPro 7. I mean, they're both 350 US, I believe. Although you were saying the GoPro, you can trade in an older camera and get a $100 rebate on the GoPro 7. So if people have an older camera that's no longer in use or outdated, that's an option that could save some money. So I was going to pick up an Osmo Action for that, but also just to have two of these small action cameras to get different perspectives. Mm -hmm. So, you know, hiking by, filming on the Osmo, we can as Heath was doing, he'd pop off the trail and film us with the action as we walk past and show those perspectives and stuff too. Or even, for some reason, he was filming my boots at one point. I don't know. But that's good. Yeah. That was a dusty trail. You know, it's been so dry here. Rivers are high, but lots of dust hiking on that. So something else, playing with these cameras, we had the opportunity not only to film salmon underwater here, the sockeye that are, well, it's between runs, but there are fish in the river, obviously was the jumping up the rapids at the falls. So these rivers have falls that salmon have to navigate to get to the headwaters where they lay their eggs, breed and lay their eggs. And I had stood there with the Osmo pocket in my hand, <laughs> shooting slow-mo, again, wanting to slow that footage down of a magnificent leap of the salmon going up and through the air and making its way over the four-foot falls for 10 minutes of slow motion video, which I have to delete that file, but that's a monster. <laughs> and I did that three times until, you know, each time my arm gets tired and I you keep watching. I mean, that's the patience of wildlife photography. You never know when that magical moment will happen. And this is part of the storytelling for this trip was the navigation of, of the falls for these fish. So I got something, but not the jump I wanted, but it could happen any second. So waiting, waiting, waiting. You don't want to shut it off and restart, create another file, and have it happen when you're not. My point in bringing this up was, I didn't get this, but Michael was filming, and we have images behind the scenes that we'll share in the show notes of our setup there. He was filming on his red, and had the benefit of pre-record for the situation, which is, we've talked about it in previous podcasts, but you might... It wanna... works. It's, you know, I had it set up for the last 10 seconds, so the camera's constantly recording, so you just wait. And watch and if you see something go through the viewfinder i always count it down so it, if i see what i want i count to five and then i hit record so then it, i know that the what i'm after is about five seconds into that clip and and i got it. i didn't get the perfect one i got three or four salmon and it's obvious salmon and but it's the one you were just saying the wiggle the four foot leap the perfect landing at the top of the falls and swimming on I saw that out of the corner of my eye that was in the viewfinder. <laughs> I saw that right below me. But where I had the camera pointed, I didn't get that part. I got it, and I got stuff that's probably better than than a lot of stuff that's out there, but I didn't get the perfect. And we had been down we'd been downstream probably a quarter mile and uh trying to get the the footage of the fish in the underwater. And when I came back, you know, one of the advantages to spending that much time is you start to be able to predict a little bit better where these things are going to take place. So when we got back, I asked Michael, you know, where are the hot spots? And so he kind of pointed me toward this one rapid. And I was trying to catch it with a still. And so I, thinking I was maximizing my uh, reactive time, I tried to put, where the jump started right in the lower right hand corner of the frame thinking that i was going to have time to press a shutter by the time they got to the center of the frame and i was halfway down i had i had focused on the rapid and then i was using the focus lock button on the back so i didn't have to worry about you know the camera refocusing during the shot and i probably had eight or ten good jumps and I got zero for 10. <laughs> the fish was either, you know, the tail was going in the water or I'd get them swimming through the rapids so you can see a dark spot, but that's it. You can't see the fish. And it is a lot tougher than it than it looks like it would be. You'd think that reaction time, you'd be able to push the shutter fast enough to get them in the center of the frame, but... That totally speaks to that camera that Ron was talking about the other night. Yes. Uh, yeah. A still camera that has... Pre-record. Pre-record. Mm -hmm. 
it's coming out or it is out in some models so <clears throat> yeah. it's it's out but we're gonna have to see if how it works how effective mm -hmm. but that that was a good challenge i i think that was probably the most challenging attempt that i made and we kind of ran out of time so we were trying to do different things get different footage while we were down sure in this spot um but it did get a little bit dark to to be able to capture that image it doesn't get completely dark here but the light does diminish so you you're not going to be able to capture that at one one hundredth of a second no so we kind especially of to, down in that canyon yeah kind of had to pull off of that yeah, i think michael was there for two or three hours sitting on that rock exactly. it didn't like, seem like it seemed like 30 minutes well what it was just like and everybody's place. got their backpacks loaded and looking at me and i'm like <laughs> and then i also thought it was like four in the afternoon <laughs> and it was 10 30 or 11, i don't even know what time it was it was not it was late maybe nine up there and then we went to that other spot but i had no idea time flies when you're having fun well yeah sitting at riverside watching salmon and mm. waiting for bears and having eagles fly by it's it's not a bad place to spend a few hours not time, bad at all time stands still and something else about this too is just you know the, the not knowing you know we had to book this trip we're coming from afar some of us and planning it and also fitting it in with schedules and such so this is between salmon runs if it was peak run it might have been a different situation with more opportunities for yeah, jumping as well a different game altogether if, yeah if fish were jumping every 15 I'll, seconds with that kind of volume then do you think it will be that way i guess it would be well, so i have time next week we do yeah with, with i want to come that, back and see if we yeah. hear that the run's coming right. i want to go i just want to see because somebody was telling me last year Oh yeah, when forty thousand fish are running up this river, you can't stand out there without fish hitting you. Is that exaggeration or is that real? Well, I, I kind of think it's real. Action camera yesterday when when I had mm -hmm. it in the water, they kept getting bumped. I just, I mean, fish. I want to put on waders and go stand out there and put a camera just in there and right. just say, okay, fish, go go for it. Let's see all forty thousand, y'all, y'all, y'all. And then it'd be cool to, you know, from a if you're documenting fishing, per, for instance, if I was three feet behind you and had another action camera and you were in waders and the fish were going by your feet like you were fly fishing right, right. that'd be cool yeah i want to try it so, so many things you can the do show. they say that the run is in is it's on its way so right. and, but and in good it numbers takes. it sounds like this year they were talking over a hundred thousand for the first run mm -hmm. no so, the second the oh, silvers second. that are coming in yeah awesome we'll see it's quite an amazing life cycle, and it's, it's been a fun chapter two of our, our trip. But, yeah, absolutely, if we hear numbers skyrocket, we can. The fun part has been back. all the experimentation. I mean, none of mm -hmm. us have gotten any killer images um, while we've been on this part. But we've gotten, you know, we've gotten some good and some unique footage of the fish in these different stages in the life cycle and, and what's going on around them. And just the experimentation, it's been a blast. Oh, it's the experience of being here. Mm -hmm. And there's so much going on in the, in the environment, in the wilderness, and with the wildlife, and at sea, on land. The life experience has been worth it, photography aside. Right. And that's yeah. the fun. Exactly. And as this technology keeps changing, these tiny little cameras are, are so good. It's been fun to, to get on with them and tell stories mm -hmm. and share it with people around the world who may not be able to experience this or encourage those that might be thinking of doing it someday and experiencing the coast of Alaska and the Kenai Fjords and Kenai Peninsula. It's a magical place. Actually, it's just breathtaking, the diversity mm -hmm. of wildlife. We, we talked to a couple of fishermen from Arkansas who hired a charter and went out yesterday and <laughs> the wildlife that they saw, they, they went through the whole list. You know, from It went through the whole list and it was everything that we wanted to see. Well, we saw plus. We it was saw everything plus, plus. And then some, yeah. Oh, yes. Did you see the orcas? Oh, yeah, three or four pods. And then they were breaching, and yeah. they were tail slapping and fin slapping. And one spy jumped hopping. up with a, yeah, spy hopping. Breaching. They yeah, were juggling starfish. <sighs> so you just never know. When you take the time to have these life adventures, and this, this area is, is definitely a destination worth making the effort to, to get here. So from the from South Central Alaska and the Kenai Peninsula, I want to thank you to 
for listening to our podcast today and sharing on our adventure. Tune in, Michael and I and Ron, for a brief period of time, are heading north into Alaska for the next chapter. Different content coming in the following podcast. You can find more of our team's work on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, on our channel there, and of course on our website at wildandexposed.com. And no matter which podcast platform you're listening to us on, make sure to hit that follow or subscribe button and to give us a five-star rating or thumbs up as those positive reviews help us to do what we love to do and to bring you this podcast on a weekly basis. Also, on our YouTube channel, make sure to hit that little bell icon as that will send you a notification. It's free, but that way you'll know when we put new content up and there'll be more and more coming this year as time goes by. I want to take a moment and thank our talented and hardworking producer, Missy McKenzie, for all that she does behind the scenes to bring you this podcast on a regular basis for your listening enjoyment. And until next time, from Michael, Ron, and myself, Mark, You've been listening to Wild and Exposed Podcast. Thanks for tuning in.